This message comes to you from City Bible Church in Portland, Oregon, where we are committed to living like Jesus and sharing His love. It is our prayer that this message blesses and enriches your life. Well, I'm going to begin by praying this morning. Hands up those you know, it's good to pray. It's good to pray. I'm believing God for a touch of the Holy Ghost here today. I'm believing for the anointing of God that you would never, ever be the same again. Who, who knows we need to go to another level continually in the things of God, amen? So let's pray. Father, we just wanna thank You today for the power of the Word of God. We thank You for life-changing moments. We thank You for the anointing of Your Spirit. Lord, the blessing of God that flows from an open heaven. Lord, we thank You, O God, for the filling and the overflowing of the Holy Spirit. We pray today, O God, that Lord, You would incredibly bless every person gathered here under the sound of my voice at the other campuses. We thank You for them in Jesus' wonderful Name. And everybody said, Amen. Uh, I'm sure that most people here would know another thing that New Zealand, and I'm not a tourist promoter, I do a pretty good job though, that another thing New Zealand is known for is the movie, The Lord of the Rings. The Lord of the Rings was made in New Zealand. Peter Jackson, of course, a Kiwi. And I have to say Kiwis, when you think about it, a lot of people think Kiwi fruit, right? It's not, it's a Kiwi bird. Kiwi bird, flightless bird. Nothing like your majestic eagle that you guys have got over here. I mean, I mean, it's a biblical bird, an eagle. Kiwi can't even get off the ground. How bad's that? So in any case, we had to kill that demon. But enough to say that, that a Kiwi is a New Zealander. And uh, Peter Jackson, who made The Lord of the Rings, was a New Zealander. But I'm amazed how Hollywood dabbles and portrays the supernatural sometimes better than the church. I mean, you look at the movies today, you look at the movies that, you know, the werewolf one, and I hope you didn't watch it, but the, you know, the Harry Potter movie. I mean, all these movies, they got that supernatural feel about them and supernatural thing. But I wanna tell you, friend, that the church should be the place where the supernatural happens. Too often churches are living natural lives instead of supernatural lives. Christians are offering living natural lives instead of supernatural lives. We need to be living supernatural lives, extraordinary lives and not just ordinary lives. Can I hear an amen to that? And we need those supernatural moments. In other words, those mountaintop experiences. I'm not sure when was the last time, friend, that you got with God and you were touched by the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Why do you need those mountaintop experiences? Because when you come down, you walk through the valleys, you go through the trials, you go through the fire, hallelujah, you can get to the other side. He says, hey, when you go through the valley of the shadow of death, I will be with you. He doesn't say, I'll see you on the other side. And so He's always with you, friend. But sometimes it's like, well, where's His presence? But He'll always be with you. And so we need those supernatural moments to see us through, as it were, the walk of life. I think about the woman as she was walking through life for 18 years, she walked with her head down, with her back bent. She couldn't look to Jesus, to heaven. But Jesus came along and supernaturally straightened her out. I wonder if there's anyone here this morning or on simulcast that needs straightening out. Get your perspective right in life, friend, because God has called you to live a life of above and not beneath. Can I hear an amen to that? And so a Scripture this morning found in the book of Isaiah, Isaiah 64, and it says, Oh, that you would rend the heavens. Everybody say, rend the heavens. Come on, rend the heavens. 
that you would come down. You know, the greatest event was not man walking on the moon, but God walking on the earth. That you would come down, that the mountains might shake at your presence. Then it goes on verse five, and we need to be saved. Friend, I'm not sure whether you know it or not, but salvation is not just about dying and going to heaven. I know a lot of Christians think it means that when you talk about to a person, are you saved? You're really saying, are you gonna go to heaven when you die? But salvation in the Bible, isn't it good to read your Bible? Salvation in the Bible means a whole lot more than dying and going to heaven. It's all about improvement of life. It's all about having more health, a better marriage, better finances. When you become a Christian, friend, your life should be improving. Are you out there today? You know, you read the Bible and it says, Lord, save us. He wasn't talking about dying and going to heaven. He was talking about overcoming the enemy. And so salvation, yes, it does mean, sure, going to heaven when you die. That's the place you wanna go, by the way. The alternative isn't that good. But while you're living, because it's good to have some pie in the sky when you die, but you want some steak on your plate while you wait. And so friend, it is true that as we walk through this life, we need to have God with us doing things for us because He is a supernatural God. Can I hear it now? He's a God of miracles. He's a God of more than enough. We sing the songs. It says here in verse eight, but now, O Lord, You are our Father. Would you say that with me? You are our Father. We are the clay and You are the potter and all we are the work of Your hand. You know, it starts off, Oh, that you would rend the heavens, rend the heavens, open the heavens. Do you know that same word rend is where Jesus, when He was baptised, the heavens were opened, they were rent above Him. Was it not the veil in the temple that was rent from top to bottom when Jesus was crucified on the cross? In other words, God made a way when there was no way that you and I could enter the very presence of God. Hallelujah. Not just for the high priest once a year, but for every person to be able to enter the presence of God. And so it was rent. Let's have a look at his baptism in the Scripture, friend, in Matthew chapter three. Do you understand my Kiwi accent? If I talk too fast, friend, just say, slow down, Peter. I'm a bit of a racehorse. I couldn't speak to the age of seven. I couldn't speak English. I couldn't speak Chinese. I couldn't speak anything. Used to go to school, the teacher would hit me over the head with a ruler. And then I began to speak, a miracle. And my mother said, I never shut up since. True story. Matthew chapter 3, verse 16. When he'd been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water. And behold, the heavens were open. Would you say opened? were open to Him and He saw the Spirit of God descending like a, come on, help me out here. See, see, friend, I just wanna give you a little hint here. Church should be a contacts board. Okay, I mean, we play rugby back home. I know some of you may know what that is, but we have the team called the All Blacks, world champions. Shall we bring in Australia right now? No, let's not do that. But enough to say, that New Zealand, the All Blacks of the world, and rugby is a contact sport, right? Church is a contact. We should not just have spectators sitting in the pews. Amen. And so I'm giving you a helping hand here. 
descending like a, a dove, alighting upon him. And suddenly a voice came from heaven. This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And then if we go to John chapter 1, verse 32, and John bore witness saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a, like a dove. And he remained on him. I did not know him, but he who sent me to be baptized with water said to me, Upon whom you see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, this is he, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and testified that this is the Son of God. Friend, we read in the book of Isaiah, but now, Lord, you are our Father. The voice came from heaven here in this New Testament Scripture. This is my beloved Son. Jesus said, when you pray, Pastor Brian mentioned it about the Lord's Prayer. When you pray, say, Our Father. It's not a trick question. Our Father. Our Father who art in heaven. God is our Father. You know, I love the thought when Jesus said, isn't it good to quote Jesus? I mean, let's be honest, there's only one that ever came back from the dead. I say to Buddhists and Hindu, why follow a loser? They're still dead. I mean, Jesus came up. Hallelujah. A lot of religious leaders, but there's only one Saviour. And so Jesus said, He said, when you ask or your son asks for a piece of bread, would you give him a stone? He said, you being evil. <laughs> I mean, he said it, not me, Right? He said, you being evil people, evil people, if, if you know how to give good gifts, how much more will your heavenly Father know how to give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? You know, in Acts chapter one, Jesus also said, you shall receive power. Everybody say power. When the Holy Spirit will come upon you and you shall be my witnesses. Friend, I'm just here to tell you, that when you receive the Holy Spirit, you receive power and you are empowered to do something. Not just to sit on your chuff or sit in the pew, but to witness, to be a witness. What is a witness? A witness is a person who has seen and heard something. Was it not true? The disciples, when they were before the Sanhedrin, they said, we cannot help but tell of what we've heard and what we've seen. What I'm saying, friend, if you're a Christian and you just blend into this world, you are really a fraud. Because Christians are not here to blend in. We are here to stand up and stand out. We're here to testify about the good things that God has done for us. Can I hear an amen to that? And so the book of Ephesians says to be filled with the Holy Spirit, to be filled. Now listen to this statement. You might wanna write this down. But the Holy Spirit is in me for my sake. The Holy Spirit is in me for my sake. The Holy Spirit is in me for my sake to teach me, to prompt me. As of those who know what it's like to have a prompting of the Holy Spirit. You feel prompted to do, anybody here? Oh, praise the Lord, I thought. I thought the church had gone to sleep just for a brief moment. And, and, and so the Holy Spirit is here to encourage me. The Holy Spirit is here to convict me. Don't you hate that? I'm glad about it, but I hate it. 
that conviction when you do something wrong and you know, you feel so bad and you've got to go and repent and you've got to go and put things right. You've got to tell the truth. <laughs> you've got to, all right. In any case, the Holy Spirit is here to convict. The Holy Spirit is here to develop me. Amen. And so the Holy Spirit is in me for my sake. But the Holy Spirit is upon me for your sake. And the Holy Spirit is upon you for other people's sake too. What am I talking about? Well, you too, like me, can lay hands on the sick and see them recover. Hallelujah. We too, praise the Lord, can bring a word of prophecy. We can speak the word, not just the guy with the microphone, but we're all called to be preachers as it were to share the good things of God. And so the Holy Spirit is in me for my sake to help me grow into Christ-likeness. Man, it's so true. As I travel the world and I'm so blessed to be able to do it, but it grieves me when I see Christians who are 10 years old, still in the same place as they were the day they got saved. Many Christians still wearing nappies as it were, you know, spitting the dummy, getting all upset about church or getting all upset with their pastor, getting envious and jealous and bitterness and having unforgiveness in the heart. The Bible says these things ought not to be. Are you with me today? And so one of my biggest passions in life, apart from seeing people one to Christ as we saw in the earlier service, and we'll see here again today, people who are not right with God to get right with God. But friend, one of my other passions in life is to help Christians to grow into maturity. So you become overcomers because as to he who overcomes shall be granted. Now friend, the Holy Spirit is in me for my sake, but upon me for your sake. Word of wisdom, to share the Word of God, to encourage others. See, the Christian life is really all about manifesting the Holy Spirit. So when you walk into a shop, when you walk into the school, when you walk into your work environment, things should change. Isn't it true that, see, you breathe the atmosphere you create. You breathe the atmosphere you create. You take a marriage. Couple have an argument. Anybody here been married more than six months, you know? You know what I'm talking about. And you walk into that home, and you, I've been married for over 40 years, so. So, thank you. Still to the same woman, I might add too. And we got six grandkids. It's all exciting. So the thing is, is that when a couple argue, you could cut the air with a knife. It's an atmosphere, an atmosphere. And we breathe the atmosphere we create. But friend, I want to tell you, when you're walking with God and the Holy Ghost is upon you and in you, there's an atmosphere of peace. There's an atmosphere of joy. Other people can sense it. People come into our home back and on and they say, what is it about this place? It's an atmosphere of peace. It's an atmosphere of joy. Are you with me? Because the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. Hello, hello. And so we are supposed to be salt and light. That's why we're not taken when we first get saved. That's the easy way out, isn't it? Have an older call, put the gun to the head to every, no, I'm just kidding. But, but you know, save a lot of hassle. But God wants us to grow. God wants us to mature. God wants us to overcome. He wants us to become Christ-like. Now, friend, the same God that rent the heavens is opening the heavens over your life today. In fact, they are opened. 
Do you know three times in the Old Testament where the heavens were opened and each time there were cynics. And I find even Christians can be cynics today. In fact, Jesus rebuked the disciples for their unbelief. Think about it. Hello? Sometimes I wonder how thick can we be and still breathe? I mean, the disciples rebuked for their unbelief and yet we sit and we're often the same. I mean, Noah's day. God opened up the heavens and everybody was mocking and cynical about it. The lepers sitting outside the gate. You know the story of Samaria. The heavens were opened. Guy got trampled, the cynic got trampled. That's what happens to cynics. You never wanna be cynical, especially about the supernatural, especially about the Holy Spirit, especially about God. And of course, the third time is in the book of Malachi in relation to tithes and offerings. And how many Christians, unfortunately, get cynical when the preacher's up there exhorting them to give? They say, oh, the church is just after my money. Can I just tell you, friend, Coca-Cola's after your money. The bank's after your money. Hello? Hello? The church is trying to establish a kingdom on earth and yet people are robbing and holding back from God because the gospel is free, but it costs money to distribute it. And I don't wanna rob God of the ability to flow through me. Are you with me? Because God is never trying to take something from you. He's always trying to get something to you. But we become cynical and think, oh no, the church is just after my money. Cynics. And so when we're talking about the Holy Spirit, you know, in the New Testament, we saw how the heavens were opened at Christ's baptism. Stephen being martyred in the book of Acts, he's being stoned and he looks up, he says, I see heaven opened. The book of Revelation, the heavens are still open and they're still open today. We're still living in the days of grace. I'm not sure when that will close, friend, but today is still the day of salvation. The same God that spoke at Christ's baptism is still speaking today. My beloved Son, and I'm talking to humans now, human beings, not human doings, but human beings. My beloved Son, the same Holy Spirit that descended upon Jesus is still descending upon people today. You know, the Bible teaches us, does it not, that the same Spirit that rose Christ from the dead dwells in us. The same Spirit that rose Christ from the dead. You know the story of the resurrection, I'm sure. Where Mary Magdalene, that sinner, the one that had seven, is there any sinners? Well, people have been sinners, now you're saints, hallelujah. I won't ask anybody here who's had seven demons cast out, but hey, I'll go first. You're talking to a guy here who knows what the supernatural is about. Because just after my dad died, my sister took me along to a crusade as a 12-year-old boy, just from an ordinary Kiwi upbringing. And I gave my life to Christ. But I knew that I knew that I knew that God had called me to preach the gospel. I didn't even know what the gospel was about. Wasn't brought up a Christian, but I knew that I was called to preach. Couldn't speak to the age of seven. I went and asked a Presbyterian minister, how do I become a preacher? How do I become a minister? He said, I had to go to university. Well, friend, I come from Royal New, Royal New Zealand. I was brought up on a farm, small town of 3,000 people. Nobody in my day, I'm talking 50s, 60s, 1950, that is. Nobody in my day went to university. It was like going to Planet Strange. It didn't happen. And so he kind of shattered my dream and I got him with the wrong crowd. They got him with me and I became a very wild, misspent youth. 
But into my life walked a Presbyterian minister's daughter. He took me along to a church like this. People were clapping, lifting up their hands. I thought, what a bunch of idiots. But I knew they had something I didn't have. They had the Holy Ghost. Gave my life back to the Christ. That was, that was some 40 years ago now. I've known what it is to walk with God and put that past behind me. Had 40 jobs by the time I was 20. I thought if I couldn't beat the system, I'd join it. So I became New Zealand's top real estate, new housing salesman for six years running. That's the difference that God can make in your life, friend. God can cause you to live above and not beneath when you give your life to Him. And so we see this Mary Magladine, this, this woman, this sinner, coming and looking for Jesus after He was crucified at the tomb. Let's pick up the story in John chapter, chapter 20. And of course, you know, and I know, she thought He was a gardener, right? And I just kind of think that Jesus takes care of those who are planted in the house of the Lord. He doesn't take care of the tumbleweeds. You know, people are hopping around the place. He takes care of those who are planted. It's those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall prosper. Amen. And so in John 20, Jesus said to her, do not cling to me, talking to Mary, for I have not yet ascended to my Father, but go to my brethren and say to them, I am ascending to what? Who? My Father and who? Your Father. Oh, praise the Lord. And to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene came and told the disciples she had seen the Lord and that He had spoken these things to her. And as I mentioned, some other gospels said they didn't believe her. Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, what a great day to be in the house of the Lord. The first day of the week. When the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, <laughs> the only door that was shut was the church. Anyway, Jesus came and stood in the midst and said, peace, peace, peace be unto you. When He had said this, He showed His hands and aside. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. And so Jesus said to them again, <laughs> the word of the Lord often comes a second time because we're too thick to get it the first time. Peace to you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. Hello. You and I have got a job. There should be no unemployed people in the Kingdom of God. We've got a, a job to do where, where it must be about our Father's business. Amen. I send you. And when He had said this, He breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Now, friend, I want you to think about this. Mary, the mother of Jesus, a virgin Mary, she was the first woman to touch the Lord when He was born in this earth. But can I just say there was another Mary, a sinner. She was the first person to touch the resurrected Christ. What am I saying, friend? I wanna say this to you. No matter where you are on the food chain, no matter where you are in the things of sin or whatever it is, friend, Jesus will accept every person here. He loves the sinner, He loves the saint, hallelujah. You can reach out and touch the Lord. Yes, you can, friend. You can reach out and touch the Lord. This was Mary, the one who had seven demons. She was, she was free to serve the Lord, of the, 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 the Lord. She was saved to serve. She was free to be fruitful. Friend, just like you and I, this one who had been delivered, praise the Lord for the days of grace. I don't know about you, but I'm so thankful for that. Peace be unto you, receive the Holy Spirit. You know, the Holy Spirit is always looking for people to rest upon to come upon. Let's just have a look at a Scripture in Genesis chapter 8. I won't hold you too much longer, but I know you're going to get blessed this morning. This is a story of the flood. 
We won't read the whole passage for the sake of time, but you know the story. It says here, it came to pass at the end of 40 days that Noah opened, everybody say opened. Open the window of the ark, which he had made. He sent out a raven. You know that raven, you know what, the unclean bird, all the floating cows and the floating mooses and the floating pigs and everything else that was floating dead in the sea. The raven, I'm sure, would have landed on them and ate that flesh. That's what worldly people do. But the dove found no resting place for her feet. People of God, friend, you don't feast on the things of the world, the dead things that will destroy you, that have disease in them. But this dove found no place. And you know the story. He took her back into the ark. He put out his hand. And uh, then it says in verse 11, Then the dove came back to him in the evening, and behold, a freshly plucked olive leaf was in her mouth, and no one knew that the waters had receded from the earth. Friends, you and I know that the international symbol for peace is a dove with the olive branch in her mouth, right? From this particular story, the international symbol for peace. Jesus said, peace to you. And He breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Friend, peace in the world, peace in the world is the absence of war, the absence of conflict. Peace to the Christian is the person of the Holy Spirit. So many people are looking for peace. Whether they're smoking wacky tobacco, is that what you call it over here? Marijuana, whether they're drinking, whatever it is, trying to find some peace. Peace, the absence of conflict, but peace to the Christian is a person of the Holy Spirit. Can I hear an amen? See, every believer has an open heaven. Don't be in unbelief this morning. Don't be cynical about it. You live under an open heaven. God has opened up the windows of heaven above your life. It's true. We can close it through unbelief. We can close it through disobedience. But God wants to open it up to you and I again this morning. See, most closed heavens for believers are between their ears, in their mind. Most people miss heaven by eight inches from their heart to their head. Because it's so true, friend, if you're here this morning and don't know Jesus, when I give an invitation, your heart will pound a little faster than normal. And if you follow your heart, you'll come to Christ. But if you listen to your mind that hasn't yet been renewed, your mind will say, don't do it. Your mind will say, you're not good enough. Your mind will say, wait till you know a little bit more. The devil will always speak to your mind. That's what he did in the Garden of Eden. He spoke. He's a talker. Talks a lot of trash. That's what Goliath did. Never got around to fighting, by the way. Just talked. 40 days. But Jesus will speak to your heart. And so don't miss heaven by eight inches. But if you're a believer here today and a Christian here today, realign your mind with the Word of God. Renew your mind with the Word of God. The Holy Spirit. Think about this. Two things in Scripture. The Holy Spirit, number one, can be grieved. And number two, can be quenched. Can both be grieved and quenched. Number one, do not grieve the Holy Spirit. as found in Ephesians 4 verse 30. In other words, friend, can I just encourage you? Don't do things or plan to do things that grieve the Holy Spirit. I've known what it's like to grieve the Holy Spirit. You know, you may watch the wrong kind of movie. You may look at the wrong thing. 
on the computer, you may do something that grieves the Holy Spirit. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit in your life. Are you out there today? Am I talking to anybody? Uh, or all you perfect people over here in the land of Portland. You know, wrong behavior. And we all know what is right. The laws of God are written on our heart because the Holy Spirit is in us to convict us and to challenge us. But you know, when we ignore that conviction and we squash it down and we just do what we wanna do, don't grieve the Holy Spirit in your life. Don't get angry and don't get slanderous and don't get bitter and don't get jealous. The works of the flesh grieve the Holy Spirit. We're supposed to be peaceable people, kind people, forgiving people. Talking to Christians here today. Isn't it true? It's easy to be a Christian in church, right? But when we leave this building and go home or go to work or wherever we're going into the restaurant and somebody treats us, how do we react? It's not what happens, it's how you react. And so don't grieve the Holy Spirit, but don't quench the Holy Spirit either. First Thessalonians 5.19. In other words, don't stop the flow, friend. Don't stop the flow. Don't allow God to dry up in your life. One of the best ways to keep the flow of the Holy Spirit flowing in your life is to speak in tongues. We are still tongue-talking believers, are we not? Worship is another wonderful way to keep the Holy Spirit flowing in your life. I'm amazed how many Christians kind of commit spiritual suicide. In other words, they walk out on the church. They leave their destiny. Ah, they might get tired or they might think the church used them. Hello? What else was it supposed to do? I mean, isn't it true when you are a first born again believer, you're in worship, you love God passionately, your first love, you lift up your hands and you say, God, use me, use me, anything, Lord. Then He answers that prayer of yours and you get all upset about it. I say to people who say, I've been hurt in church, I say, join the line. Look what they did to Jesus. Yet He came back. Friend, I want to encourage you, never leave the house of God. Never walk out on your destiny. A bee can't be without a hive, a sailor can't be without a ship, a rugby player can't be without a team, and a Christian cannot be without a church. Planted in the house of God. So you might want to write this down. Your character and your purity determine your power. Your character and purity determine your power. So keep praying, keep worshiping, keep praising the Lord and rejoicing in God. I want you to think about this illustration and I have to ask you to forgive me for my white tissue here. Customs wouldn't let me in with my dove and if I was really clever, I'd probably turn this tissue into a dove, but it might freak you out a bit. This photo was taken on the Sea of Galilee. Bev and I were on the Sea of Galilee and this dove came down and rested on my wife's shoulder. Now, it was, oh my gosh, all right. I was standing there thinking, God, I am the man of God. Why isn't it on my shoulder? That's how carnal I am. But we were definitely caught up in this moment. It was a special moment. You could feel the presence of God as this white dove came down and rested on her shoulder. And of course, I was uh, wanting to take a couple of photos. It was a special moment. I even got some feathers that floated to the ground. I got them framed back home. And here's this beautiful dove on the Sea of Galilee. 
But it's so true that if we made a sudden movement, if we made a sudden wrong move, that dove would have flown off. Doves are very sensitive in nature. And friend, can I just encourage you as a Christian, when the Holy Spirit is upon you, you need to walk with the dove in mind. I said you need to walk with the dove in mind. Understand the Holy Spirit is upon you. You don't wanna do things that grieve or quench the Holy Spirit so that He flutters off. When Jesus healed the sick, when He walked on water, when He raised a dead friend, He wasn't doing these things to show us what God can do. God has already displayed in the heavens what He can do. The whole heavens display the glory of God. Have you seen or know anything about the fine tunings of the universe and what's up there, friend? Do you know about the planet that we live on here, how incredible it is? The heavens do display the glory of God. No, God, Jesus was not raising the dead and healing the sick to show us what God can do. He was showing us what a man who has yielded to the Holy Spirit can do, who's full of the Holy Spirit. He was so in tune with the Holy Spirit. When the woman came up and touched the hem of His garment, He said, virtue has flown out of me. He was so sensitive. You know, as Christians sometimes, I think if we even met Jesus face to face, we wouldn't recognise Him because we just get so caught up, so carnal. We need to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Can I hear an amen to that? He said, I only hear, I only do what I hear the Father telling me to do. Jesus had the Holy Spirit without measure. And for whatever reason, friend, it's like we have the Holy Spirit with measure. What do I mean? And I'm not talking about faith. Faith, we've been given a measure. People have got a measure of faith and it's a different measure. You can find the Scripture in Romans 12, verse three. It says, God has allotted a measure of faith to people. But the Holy Spirit in John 3, 34, for He whom God has sent speaks the words of God, for God does not give the Spirit by measure. And so what I'm saying in that, friend, is a measure is at our end. Isn't it true that we are supposed to be filled of the Holy Spirit. Now I've got a pitcher of water up here and I suppose you thought that I was a thirsty preacher. Well, if I drank all this, friend, I'd be having a half-time break and running to the bathroom. But enough to say, let me fill this glass up as we're supposed to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And if I fill this glass up, and I don't wanna cause a mess up here. If I was in my own church, I'd be mopping it up after me. But friend, isn't it true that if we're overflowing, there's no room for anything else. No room for anything else. You know, Jesus said, all authority has been given unto me. How much room for the devil is in your life? Are you filled to overflowing or are you only half filled? Is the world filling the rest of you up? But if we're filled to overflowing, there's no room for anything else. So all authority, how much authority should the devil have? None. No authority. Are you out there today? You wanna stop looking at this preacher like a cow looking at a strange gate. You wanna give this Kiwi boy a break and start smiling, you know? Let me be American, hallelujah, glory to God. You know, in Matthew 10 verse eight, Jesus says, you go. You raise the dead, you heal the sick, you cast out demons. Man, that's a big ask. You didn't even say to pray to God to do it. You do it, He said. Hello, are you out there today? You go. In other words, He says the impossible. 
but the supernatural. Not the natural, but the supernatural. Not the ordinary, but the extraordinary. You know, I, I don't know whether you like this verse or not, but Jesus said, be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. That's a big ask. But can I just say, He does not ask us to do anything that's not possible. Maybe impossible to man, but it's possible with God because all things are possible to he who believes. Even your shadow, even your shadow will release what's overshadowing you. And we've got a person to release to the world, friend, and it's the Holy Spirit. You know, if it was humanly possible, everybody would be doing it. But as Christians who are yielded and full of the Holy Spirit to do that impossible. And so when you host the presence of God, I just wanna tell you that more things will happen to you by accident than by coincidence. In other words, all things work together for the good of those who love the Lord. But friends, you can't just quote that verse without the rest and who walk every day according to the Spirit. So friend, I want to tell you right now, when you walk every day according to the Spirit, things happen to you that sometimes you think, why did that happen? But God will work out all things. Why? Because you're filled to overflowing with the Holy Spirit and He's orchestrating your life. And so the Holy Spirit wants to be a river in your life to flow, not a lake and not a swamp, but He wants to flow through you and in you and through you. Listen, as I bring this to a close, friend, but true, the world is filled with chaos and unbelief. I said, the world is filled with chaos and unbelief. Have you walked down the city streets lately? It's the same in my city. Heaven is filled with peace and faith. Can I just ask you this question? Which world or kingdom are you most acquainted with? Which world or which kingdom are you most acquainted with? The world is filled with unbelief and chaos, but heaven is filled with peace. We will not change the world if we're like them. I said, we will not change the world if we're just like them. The glory of the Lord is going to cover the earth as the waters cover the sea through the local church. I'm a believer in the church. It's the only institution that Jesus is building on the earth. I will build my church. The gates of hell shall not prevail against it, amen. And so Jesus released the glory through His signs and wonders and miracles. And as we pursue Him, not pursue things, but as we pursue Him, things happen. Nothing wrong with things as long as things don't have you. The principles of the kingdom, listen, the principles of the kingdom are great. I love the principles of the kingdom. Give and you shall receive. Do you know what? Even a non-Christian can operate the principles of the kingdom. I've met some non-Christians that are even better than Christians at forgiving other people, at being kind. I mean, the principles of the kingdom are great and we need to operate in the principles of the kingdom. But how much more should we operate in the presence? The presence of the Holy Spirit. That's what the world doesn't have. They can have the, the principles. They know that it's better to give than receive. They know the principles of the kingdom. But friend, judge not and you won't be judged. They quote them back to us, do they not? But they don't have the presence. They don't have the presence. And so we need to adjust our lives to host the presence of God in our lives. Adjust our homes if need be, with the dove in mind. And when the culture of the church change, then the city changes and the nation change. And so it's like you and I have something to give away called the Holy Spirit. You know, let's understand, friend, let's understand this morning 
that the heavens has been opened above our lives. They're open today. They're open here for you this morning. And the Holy Spirit has come upon us. The Holy Spirit is in us. Learn to live in the awareness of the Holy Spirit. Walk with God, talk with God, practice it. In other words, let your reality become your experience and not the other way around. You know, so often people, their experience has got to catch up with the Word of God because they're not experiencing what the Word of God reflects. But I believe if you practice it, if you live it, you can let your experience catch up, amen? So don't live out of your worldly, doubtful, carnal nature, but live in the presence of God. Live out of the Word of God. Jesus said in John 16, that through answered prayer, your joy will be full, pressed down and running over, running over. You know, my wife is an incredible sower. I asked her in the earlier service to stand up and show off this dress that she just made herself, but she, she didn't. She's just like, I'm not going to. I'm not quite sure what the people of Portland thought about that, but she's a wonderful woman and a wonderful soul. So I'm not going to ask her to stand up and embarrass me again now. Uh, we love each other. But we went on a date last night. Yeah, we had dinner together. That was a date, wasn't it? Hey, after 40 years, anything's a date, right? No, just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. But she's a wonderful sewer. She makes all her own clothes. But you know, it's amazing how people can sew the heavens back up over their life through unbelief and doubt. God has opened them, but we can sew them up through lack of faith, through thinking that we're not good enough, thinking that we don't deserve this. Friend, doubt is like a rubber insulator. It's like a rubber insulator. The anointing travels in the, in, the, in, the, in the realm of faith, in the atmosphere of faith, believing and speaking. We need to believe the Word of God. We need to speak the Word of God. It's like too many Christians have a short wick. I don't know whether you have that saying over here. They've got a short wick. They get so upset, so angry at things. Friend, it's the oil that's supposed to burn, not the wick. The oil is supposed to burn. You know, the anointing of the Holy Spirit, of course, Holy Spirit brings that anointing. Holy Spirit's a person. The anointing is like the atmosphere that breaks the yoke. That beautiful presence of the Lord. The Holy Spirit carries the anointing. The anointing can heal you and deliver you and set you free. You know, David said this. He said, anoint me, Lord, with fresh oil. Anoint me with fresh oil. And when I think about David's life, he was anointed three times. You'll know this. The first time he was anointed, he saw his kingdom. He saw a throne for himself. The second time he was anointed, he looked down the corridor of time and he saw a man with a beard walking down the streets of Jerusalem and the crowd crying out, Hosanna, Hosanna to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And he said, God, anoint me with fresh oil. And in the third anointing, he looks down the corridor of time right to the book of Revelation. And he sees sitting on the throne, high and lifted up, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. No wonder he said, anoint me with fresh oil. See, King Saul, isn't it true? He went looking for donkeys, but God wanted to give him a kingdom. Too many Christians are just out looking for donkeys, out for a walk. We need to get a bigger vision, a better vision. God always wants to give you more, friend. And so the thing is, we need to be anointed with fresh oil. Get a larger vision than just our own life. Get a vision for what God wants in our life. Can I hear an amen to that? And over a period of time, having walked with the Lord for some 40 odd years now, pastoring the same church for 30 years, 
It's so true that often some Christians can dry up. You know, you know what a nut, you know a nut and a bolt? When it gets dry and it gets rusty, it gets stiff. When you try to undo it with a spanner, you can break that bolt. You know, well, some Christians are like tough nuts, you know? And, and you gotta get the oil on them. Get the oil on them. Get the flow happening in their life and things begin to get freed up. Can I hear an amen to that? And so friend, in closing, where is this fresh anointing found? Where is the fresh anointing found? To you and the other campuses, where is the fresh anointing found? Well, in Psalm 92.10, David, where he says, I have been anointed with fresh oil. And he tells us where it's found in the most wonderful Psalm of all, which everybody here knows. Psalm 23, the most famous of all Psalms, talking about the valley of the shadow of death. And it comes to, in verse five, you anoint my head with oil. Does anybody here wanna be anointed with oil? Talking about the Holy Spirit this morning. I'm talking about the dove, about half the church. I said, does anybody here want the fresh oil this morning? Hallelujah. It frees up your life, friend. Things flow and happen a lot easier in your life when you have the oil of the Holy Spirit. And he says, anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. In verse six, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell where? In the house of the Lord forever. Friend, the fresh anointing, the oil of the Holy Spirit is found in the house of the Lord. Man, I'm so excited that you're here this morning because I believe if you're prepared to open up your heart, God will anoint you with fresh oil. I need that fresh oil, friend, every day. Today is the day of salvation. You may be here or on the simulcast. You don't know Jesus as your personal Savior. Friend, it all begins with opening up your heart to God. I tell you the truth. Jesus said, unless you're born again, you shall not enter the kingdom of heaven. Wow. A lot of people want to figure it out up here. Think, ah, oh, about this, I, you know, good God and all this. No, friend, unless you're born again, unless you give your life to Christ, open up your heart to Jesus, ask Him to come into your heart. Have your sin washed away. Happens in a moment of time. Begins a journey. Jesus said, come follow me. He didn't tell them where He was going. He said, come follow me. You're in for a journey, a journey of a lifetime. It's taught, called walking with God. I'd love every head to be bowed and every eye closed in the simulcast as well. I'm gonna ask you this morning, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, I'm gonna ask you to respond. I wanna help you today. Yes, I want you to go to heaven when you die. That is so important. But as I said, I know also that God wants you to enjoy the journey of life. He wants to bless your life. He wants to encourage your life. He wants to help you on this journey. And so as we bow in prayer, I want you to think now, are you right with God? Are you right with God? Maybe you've never given your life to Christ. Maybe He gave your life to Christ once, but you're away from God, you're backslidden. And so either as a first time commitment or a recommitment, I wanna challenge you today to get right with God. Father, I just thank You for every person under the sound of my voice. I pray today, oh God, as people are just responding to You, I pray with all my heart that You would touch hearts, that You would convict, that You would challenge, You would move, You would stir. Lord, I know You love people. You sent Jesus to die for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have everlasting life.